Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for well-qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. You know, at one point on Richard McGinnis's videos, a protester shouts out to Kyle Rittenhouse, you think you're in a movie. And for me, that really summed up Kyle Rittenhouse's approach to that evening. Welcome to WBBM In-Depth. My name's Jill DeGroote. As we await the looming verdict from the Kyle Rittenhouse murder trial, today we sit down with Chicago Tribune's Stacey St. Clair, who's been covering the trial in Kenosha, to get a closer look. To start, who is Kyle Rittenhouse? In August of 2020, Kyle Rittenhouse was a 17-year-old lifeguard from North Suburban Antioch, and he and a friend uh, decided that they wanted to be involved in protecting Kenosha businesses following a couple very violent nights in the aftermath of Jacob Blake's shooting. Um, Jacob Blake was a Black man who was shot seven times in the back by a white police officer while authorities say he was reaching for a knife. And Stacy, why was Rittenhouse in Kenosha? So while Kyle Rittenhouse was in Kenosha, he played the role of medic at the uh, unrest and he also was an armed guard for a used car lot. He was sort of playing these these dual roles that that prosecutors liken to sort of a wannabe police officer and a wannabe fireman and a wannabe soldier all in one. He told uh, at least one person that he was an adult and told several people that he was a certified medic. He was neither. And he left the used car lot he was guarding at one point during the unrest and sort of walk the streets offering his medical services, uh, which really consisted of the first aid training he received as as a lifeguard and and as a a fire cadet at a North Suburban fire department. And while out offering his medical services, he got separated from his partner and crossed paths with a man named Joseph Rosenbaum. Their interaction either begins or leads to, depending on whose side you believe, Joseph Rosenbaum chasing Kyle Rittenhouse across the used car lot. And he lunges at one point for Rittenhouse's gun and and misses and is off balance. And and according to prosecutors in the process of falling when Rittenhouse shoots him four times. After Kyle Rittenhouse uh, shot Joseph Rosenbaum, 
people immediately try to save Rosenbaum, who is this on the video can be seen struggling to breathe. He's clearly dying. Someone yells at, at Rittenhouse to call 911. Rittenhouse doesn't. Instead, he calls his friend who he had gone to the protests with and reports that he had just shot somebody. He then tries to make it back to another used car lot where his friend is. And that's when a, a group starts following him. Prosecutors say the group believed he was an active shooter and they try to, to stop Rittenhouse. One man knocked him in the head with his skateboard, which Rittenhouse said eventually caused him to fall to the, to the ground. While on the ground, another man jumped over him and tried to kick him, but, but didn't hurt him severely. Rittenhouse fires two shots at that person and misses. Then the man with the skateboard, Anthony Huber, comes back into the, the video images that we've all seen by now, I think. And Anthony Huber uh, hits him with his skateboard and Rittenhouse shy, fires a single shot into his chest, killing him almost immediately. At that point, a man named Gage Grosskreitz, who was there as a paramedic offering his medical services that night, takes a step towards Rittenhouse, puts his hand up, he says he sees Rittenhouse check his gun as if to get ready to shoot him. So he takes another step forward. Um, he has a gun in his hand and a cell phone in the other. And Rittenhouse shoots him in the right biceps, basically um, obliterating the muscle and leaving a, a hole in his arm where the bicep used to be. Stacy, can you tell me about Rittenhouse's firearm and how he obtained it? Rittenhouse was using um, an AR-15 style rifle that night. His friend, uh, Dominic Black, uh, with whom he went to the guard the, the car lot with, uh, Dominic Black purchased the gun for him in Northern Wisconsin uh, in May of 2020. Um, he used Rittenhouse's money to purchase the gun and was basically a, a straw purchase according to prosecutors because Rittenhouse, under state and federal law, was not old enough to purchase a gun. He was only 17. Prosecutors say he only shot it once uh, before the August 25th shootings. And that was um, during the, the trip up north with Dominic Black, where they bought the gun. So he bought the gun, took some target practice with it, shooting about 100 rounds, Dominic Black uh, estimated. And, and then the gun remained in Wisconsin with Dominic Black's stepfather because Kyle Rittenhouse legally couldn't possess the gun in Illinois without a FOID card. Stacy, can you give us a brief summary of both sides in this trial, both the prosecution and the defense? The prosecution argued that, that Kyle Rittenhouse was a chaos tourist who um, drove up to Kenosha from Illinois to impose his own sense of justice um, on people who he believed were uh, damaging the community. The, the prosecution also hammered home on Monday that both men who were fatally shot by Kyle Rittenhouse, um, Anthony Huber and Joseph Rosenbaum, were both unarmed. And if they weren't armed, the prosecution argued, it would be almost impossible for either of them to represent 
a threat, a legitimate threat to Kyle Rittenhouse's life. So the, the defense argues what's, what's really a straightforward self-defense uh, argument. They say that Joseph Rosenbaum was reaching uh, for Kyle Rittenhouse's gun and that he, if he had successfully taken Kyle Rittenhouse's gun, which by the way, was strapped to, to Rittenhouse's body, but if he had successfully taken that gun, the defense says he would have used it on other people. He would have killed Rittenhouse and, and who knows how many other people. The same with Anthony Huber. They say Huber hit him in the head with a skateboard and could have severely hurt him uh, by doing that. And that, of course, Gage Grosskreutz had a gun. So they say in each of the three incidents, each of the three shootings, Kyle Rittenhouse had a legitimate fear for his safety. And the evidence, they say, has borne that out, whether it's, you know, a video of, of Huber, you know, hitting him upside the head with the skateboard or Gage Grosskreutz testifying that, yes, I have a gun and it appears the barrel is pointed toward Mr. Rittenhouse. Getting into the key moments of the trial, can you tell us a little about some important witnesses? I, I thought the most credible witness of uh the entire trial was Richard McGinnis, who was a professional videographer with the Daily Caller uh, news website. And McGinnis uh, witnessed the shooting of Joseph Rosenbaum, and he was a prosecution witness, but he also provided um, the defense with some key elements of their case. And I think both sides thought he was important to them. He testified that in the, the seconds before Rittenhouse shot Joseph Rosenbaum, uh, Rosenbaum lunged for Rittenhouse's rifle. He says he didn't make contact with the rifle, that at best it was maybe a glancing touch, uh, but that after failing to successfully lunge, lost his balance and began falling toward the ground. And that's when Rittenhouse shot. And I think McGinnis provided a really important sort of chronology McGinnis also took a lot of video that night that was used to sort of show how Kyle Rittenhouse was, was walking around downtown Kenosha, how he was telling people he was a certified medic when he wasn't. And, you know, at one point on Richard McGinnis's videos, a protester shouts out to Kyle Rittenhouse, you think you're in a movie. And for me, that really summed up Kyle Rittenhouse's approach to that evening. He was trying to be someone he wasn't, whether prosecution says it, that he had bad intentions in that sort of make-believe scenario. And, and the defense argues that he was just, you know, a kid trying to do good. But whichever way you look at it, I think that's a really accurate description of Rittenhouse as just a person who aggrandizes himself and his abilities uh, constantly. Gage Grosskreutz was one of three men shot by Rittenhouse that night, and he was the only one of the three men to survive. He is a trained paramedic. He was there, um, as he had been doing for most of the summer at, at social protests, providing um, medical treatment to to people who were there. He said mostly it was hydration problems or sprained ankles or, or wounds from, from rubber bullets. And you know, he 
testified that he heard the shots, um, the shots that we now know are Kyle Rittenhouse shooting Joseph Rosenbaum. And he started running toward the shots, assuming somebody might be injured. He crosses paths with Rittenhouse. He asked Rittenhouse, did you just shoot somebody? And Rittenhouse says, I'm going to the police. I didn't do anything wrong. Grosskreutz did not believe him, thought that he could be an active shooter and started following Rittenhouse down the street. Now, he testified that as Rittenhouse ran down the street, he was worried for both the safety of the people following Rittenhouse and for Rittenhouse himself. And that was key evidence because in Wisconsin, jurors must ask, answer two questions in a self-defense case. One, did the defendant have a belief that his life or his safety were in danger? And if so, was that belief reasonable? Gage Grosskreutz said the belief was reasonable. He felt the belief. He felt that Kyle Rittenhouse was in danger. And that was, that was a key moment for the defense. And, and one they repeated in closing arguments on Monday. After Rittenhouse shot Anthony Huber, the man with, who tried to stop him with a skateboard, Grosskreutz briefly puts his hands up. He sees Rittenhouse, check his gun, thinks he's about to reload and shoot him. So he takes a step forward. He has a gun in his right hand and Rittenhouse shoots him in the arm, then gets up and, and, and runs away. And the fact that you know, Gage Grosskreutz had a gun, I'm sure will factor into the jurors' deliberations. And the fact that he acknowledged that the barrel in the video appears to be pointed in the direction of Kyle Rittenhouse. So I, I think jurors will definitely weigh his te testimony and consider the fact that, they had, that he had a gun as a, a key piece of evidence. Uh, Gage Grosskreutz also has a lawsuit pending against Kenosha law enforcement for failing to maintain order that night. And um, in his words, essentially deputizing armed civilians like Kyle Rittenhouse to patrol the streets. The defense kept, kept harping on that lawsuit saying that, you know, Gage Grosskreutz had 10 million reasons to want Kyle Rittenhouse convicted. So I think um, the defense spent a lot of time talking about him during closing arguments because they believe he proves their case. And what did you see when Rittenhouse took the stand? So Kyle Rittenhouse took the stand in his own defense. And though it's rare for defendants to testify on their own behalf at trial, it is not rare in self-defense cases when so much of the defense argument hinges upon what the defendant was thinking and feeling at the time that they committed the act. So it was critical for the defense to put Kyle Rittenhouse on and explain to the jurors, you know, what he thought and, and how he felt when he pulled the trigger. And then the jurors will decide whether that belief was reasonable or not. In talking to legal experts, they all thought Rittenhouse uh, did, did very well for himself on the, the stand. He didn't, uh, didn't blow up his case by any means. He was very well prepared by his defense attorneys. And whenever he thought there was, you know, a trap 
of some sorts being laid by prosecutors. He just sort of stopped answering the questions or trying to spar with them and just kept repeating over and over again, I had to defend myself. A lot has been made about uh, the emotional outbursts that Kyle Rittenhouse had during his, his testimony. Um, you know, I think I've been asked more than a dozen times by people if I thought it was was real. I think the emotion was real. I don't think he was that or is that good of an actor. But the prosecution raised a question yesterday, not whether it was real, but you know who he was crying for. Uh, prosecution says he was crying for himself. He only came up upset the one time and that's when he was talking about himself. Kyle Rittenhouse hasn't shown much um, emotion when it comes to the, the people who have died in this case. His defense attorneys have have suggested uh, in, the in the case of Joseph Rosenbaum yesterday that it was actually a good thing, um, that Joseph Rosenbaum was a bad person. I think that was a telling moment during the defense closing arguments that there was no bending, no show of sympathy or no acknowledgement of just sort of the tragic nature of the whole case, no matter, no matter whose side you are. Stacey, there's been several moments in this trial where the judge has demonstrated frustration. Can you speak to that a little bit? The judge has shown tremendous frustration with the prosecution throughout the trial. In fact, he stopped the proceedings during Kyle Rittenhouse's testimony twice, removed the jury from the courtroom both times, and just blistered the prosecutor, um, Assistant District Attorney Thomas Binger. The first time he got mad at Binger, it was because he accused Binger of getting very close to infringing upon Kyle Rittenhouse's right to remain silent upon his arrest. The second time was that he accused Binger of ignoring a pretrial order that barred Binger from bringing up an incident in which Kyle Rittenhouse, a few weeks before the Kenosha shooting, was on video talking about how he wished he had his gun so he would be able to stop some people who he believes were uh, shoplifting from a drugstore. And the judge, you know, and we all saw it on national television too, right? The judge just laid into the, the prosecution. And when the prosecution tried to give their explanation for the slip up, the judge point blank said, I don't believe you. And what charges does Rittenhouse face? So Kyle Rittenhouse is facing five felony charges, um, one involving the death of Mr. Uh, Rosenbaum, one involving the death of Mr. Huber, and one involving the shooting of Gage Grosskreutz. Now, there are also two reckless endangerment charges, which you know people might want to keep an eye on. They involve uh, Richard McGinnis, who was the videographer who was trailing behind Mr. Rosenbaum when Mr. Rittenhouse shot. McGinnis testified that he felt that his life was in danger when, when Rittenhouse began shooting and that he actually felt a sensation in his legs as if a, a bullet grazed the bottom of his pants. Then the second reckless endangerment charge deals with a man who's never been named. They've not been able to identify him. Neither side have been able to identify him. And he is the man who, uh, when Rittenhouse falls to the ground, jumps over him and tries to, to kick him, you know, fails to, to 
you know, level any damage. And he is several feet away after jumping over Rittenhouse and Rittenhouse fires two shots of him and misses. Now, Stacey, we're currently waiting on the jury as they're deliberating. So what happens now? Well, the, the jury has had the, the case for um, a couple hours now, and um, we haven't uh, heard much from them. They will sift through the evidence. They have a lot of jury instructions, a lot of difficult and complex jury instructions that will sort of form their roadmap. So even if I think they're all in agreement on something right away, they have a lot of paperwork to sift through, so it might take a while. You know, depending on what happens, if he's acquitted of all charges, then then the case is over against Kyle Rittenhouse. If he's convicted of some or all, then they'll be sentencing somewhere down the road. And then there's also the civil lawsuits that are pending against the the local law enforcement, and and those are making their way through the federal court system. But those could take years to to go to trial. And both Grosskreutz and um, Anthony Huber's family have, have sued local law enforcement for sort of in their words, you know, deputizing Kyle Rittenhouse to to act that night. Thanks for being here, Stacy. That was the Chicago Tribune, Stacy St. Clair. Thanks for tuning in to WBBM in depth. Don't forget to subscribe on the Odyssey app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. A News Radio WBBM podcast, powered by Odyssey. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. <sighs> Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, oh, oh.